Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 28, 2019, episode 89. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And the 2019 NFL Draft cannot be characterized as anything but a gluttonous bacchanal of winsome selections, <laughs> at least for us here at the Steelers Outpost Podcast. We're happy, in other words. We got him. We got him, ladies and gentlemen. Devin Bush. I mean, this is crazy. Everybody's been talking about it ever since it happened. The Steelers trading up into the top 10 for the first time in the history of all major athletics. No, seriously, obviously, we know the last uh, few times they traded up was to get Troy Palmolo and San Antonio Holmes. And the last time they even picked in the top 10, they got old shoot from the hip. Plaxico Burris. So even that worked out pretty well if you look at it. But the Steelers get the one guy in the draft that everybody who follows the organization wanted, everybody who's in the organization wanted, uh, as evidenced by the fact that pretty much every member of the staff on the Steelers went to um, Bush's Pro Day and University of Michigan. And even any draft pundits or anybody who knows anything about the Steelers, there's one name for them. It's Devin Bush. It's also assuming inside linebacker Devin White will be gone. But, you know, as we've been saying, we've been talking about on the podcast for a few weeks here. If you could get that guy, it's a home run. He's a Ryan Shazier type player. Obviously not saying that he's going to be as good as Ryan Shazier um, or, or not. We'll, we'll see what happens. But 4-3 speed guy, he would fill a position of great need at that inside linebacker spot, which has been, you know, so slow over the last couple of years uh, as far as foot speed goes. He would fill that position, and, you know, he's a real elite first-round talent. And the Steelers usually don't get the luxury of getting those guys because they're sort of a victim of their own success. They pick first-round guys at the end of the first round, you know, a T.J. Watts. Like, that's a good player. But I think the last couple times they really got a transcendent or sort of big-name prospect would be when Shazier himself slid to them, and, and David DeCastro would be the other one that I can think of. So it's not only shocking that the Steelers traded up into the top 10, also the fact that I personally don't feel like they gave up that much to get there. It's also incredibly exciting for a Steelers nation who just suffered through just <laughs> another – chapter of agonizing offseason created by killer bees it's a it feels like a real victory that they got this guy i think you can't overstate the fact that calm now sort of reigns in the locker room at least at least for now nobody's uh nobody's agitating and stores can get down to business 
Yeah, I love that they made this trade up. And you know what? We said before the draft that, look, it's just looking like there's no way that Devin Bush is going to get past that gauntlet kind of around ten, pick 10 to 14. And it looks like the Steelers thought the same thing. Obviously, they were able to get the trade done at number 10 with the Denver Broncos. But uh, I, I, we knew that they – were interested in trading up. That rumor had been happening, had been circulating. They even tried to trade up last year for Rashawn Evans, the inside linebacker for Alabama. They were unsuccessful in getting that done, and thank goodness because Bush is a better prospect than Rashawn Evans was. But I didn't think that they would be able to trade up that far. You know, if it were easy to trade up into the top ten, everyone would do it. But look, I guess there, it just. It was a perfect marriage with them and the Broncos. The Broncos still got Noah Fant at, at 10, and they added um, picks to their trove there. But I thought that maybe they could trade up at to pick 16 or 17 or 15 if Devin Bush fell that far. Uh, it was unlikely that he would. But, hey, we saw Dev, Derwin James, the superstar safety, fall all the way to 17 to the Chargers last year. So that was kind of my only hope of getting him. And we sort of resigned ourselves to the fact that, look, they're going to take a corner. Let's just hope they take a Greedy Williams or someone instead of a Rocky Sin or, you know, a Byron Murphy and didn't even have to deal with it. Uh, you know, last year, I know I'm sort of rambling here, but I'm over the moon because the Steelers got a stud no matter how he works out. I, I'm – very happy that they were so aggressive in trading up. I think that teams, the only teams that should ever trade up in the draft are teams who are looking for a superstar quarterback. If you need to move up and get your, your young quarterback that you really believe in. And then teams that are on the verge of a Super Bowl or at the end of a closing window. And last year on the podcast, we said over and over again, hey, this window's closing. This window's closing. Now is the time to get a guy who's going to be good you know, early, not somebody who you're going to need to groom for a few years. And they didn't get along done last year, but they did get it done this year. And it's at a real position of need. So it's, you couldn't have hit that pick any further out of the park. Well, I was surprised at how far they opened a jump because uh, the top 10 seems to be a Rubicon. And I agree with you. It doesn't seem like the Steelers gave up much. So we gave up our, we swapped our first round pick. I don't even consider that giving up. That's just moving up. We gave away uh, pick number two. We gave away pick number three from next year. Third, the, the second round and third round, yeah. Second round from this year and the third round for next year. Right, and which we're going to be compensated for because presumably because of Le'Veon Bell and a couple of other um, trades we've made. Yeah, so... So it feels like a net zero to me to move up 10 spots off of number yeah. 10, making it even sweeter because we moved right in front of the Cincinnati Bungles. The dirty convicts who swiped cornerback William Jackson the third away from us a couple years ago one pick ahead of the Steelers turns out that guy's a stud in Cincinnati and when he got scooped up the Steelers went and selected Artie Burns with the next pick so sweet revenge if you ask me and you're right hey you gave up a second round pick to me that's really the only thing you gave up because like you said next year you get the comp pick and even this year they had two picks in the third round so they gave up a pick in the second round. Of course, you know, the Steelers have had some great success with second round players, most notably Juju recently. But then they drafted 14 picks later because of the third round selection that they received uh, for the Antonio Brown trade. So, listen, Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin, especially Kevin Colbert, 
really hammered it into the ground in the press conference after getting Devin Bush that it would not have been possible to get Devin Bush without the Antonio Brown trade and without, you know, losing Le'Veon Bell. Because the fact that they had two third round picks this year, one of them being uh, something they got in in return for Antonio Brown, the fact that they had those let them get rid of that second round pick. They basically said the rule was we're going to try and trade up as hard as we can, but we have to have two picks on day two. So between the second and third round, the Steelers made a hard rule that we, we need to have two picks there. And since they had a, that extra third rounder, that early third rounder, so kind of like a late second, they had that from the Antonio Brown trade. That's what gave them the ability to do that. And then like you pointed out, even giving up a third rounder, uh, next year, you still are probably going to get a third rounder. You're going to be picking in every round next year. So just knocked it out of the park. And I'm not saying he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer or Ryan Chazier or anything like that. But this guy, we covered him enough for you guys. You all know who we're talking about here. He's a stud. And this is the kind of person that you want to select. This feels much better than reaching for a Terrell Edmonds who could be a good player, but it's just such a gamble or, you know, getting a TJ Watt at the time seemed like this is a very smart pick and it's turning out great, but it doesn't always turn out great with those late first round guys. So just, just, it feels like the Steelers finally won one because we were two and four over the end of last season. And then we went about Oh, and 98 in between the season and the draft with all the stuff that happened. So incredible job. Well, in related news, they uh, after the draft was over, after the draft concluded, John Bostic was released, making a little room there, and uh, maybe not unexpected. Sure, you have a you have a pretty cool linebacker room right now. Obviously, they have Vinnie Williams. Hopefully, he would be able to move back to his old spot, uh, the weak side linebacker, uh, and and make room for a Devin Bush. I don't know if Devin Bush is going to start the season or not. It's kind of hard for me to see him not starting. I know you have Mark Barron there and, and that does give you a little bit of leeway to, to kind of groom Devin Bush a little bit, but it's going to be hard when they're in training camp and you see these guys on the field and Devin Bush is faster than all of the defensive backs, let alone the inside linebackers. I sort of have a hard time seeing him not start. Although Kevin Colbert made the point many times in their pre draft interviews that uh, they prefer that these players don't start, but they're obviously not against it. They started Shazier and they've started uh, other people who, who earned it rather than a Terrell Edmonds, who they pointed out sort of fell into a role because of injuries. But you got Devin Bush, you got Vince Williams, you got Mark Barron. So already you feel great about that because last year you, you had no depth. You had nothing behind Bostic really. Well, you had you had Fort. That I guess you lost Fort, so that is a bummer. And then they we obviously drafted another linebacker. We'll we'll see what happens with him. Six rounder Ulysses Gilbert, but Matakavich is for now on the team. But Ulysses Gilbert is another speedster. So it's just a totally transformed inside linebackers room from last year without Fort and Bostic. So moving on to the to the next pick in the third round at number sixty six. Is this? Uh... Is this a foreshadowing or a reflection of mm. trying to do another Antonio Brown pick? We have Deontay Johnson from Toledo. Yeah, so this it's a crazy it's a crazy pick because some people think that the Steelers overdrafted him, that he would have been available later. A lot of people really like him. He is a highly productive receiver from Toledo who had absolutely no quarterback play, uh, an incredible an artist 
of the release off the line of scrimmage. And for anybody who doesn't know about release off the line of scrimmage, that's when the cornerback's in your face. You have to have a variety of moves to not let him jam you. This guy's unbelievable with that. And obviously, Antonio Brown is the best in the league. You see guys like Amari Cooper who are good at that. But to be good at that at such a young age is incredible. He's a good route runner. He's a huge playmaker. And he's a great kick returner, punt returner. He had two touchdowns on kicks, two touchdowns on punts. Some people thought they overdrafted him. I totally disagree. I get it. Because, you know, DK Metcalf had just been drafted slightly before that. Hakeem Butler was still available. uh, And some people thought that that guy was going to be a first rounder. But you see how the NFL sometimes views these prospects a little bit different than the draft tape grinders, you know, who obviously know what they're talking about. But Bruce Arians actually called Daryl Drake, the Steelers receiver coach, after they selected Deontay Johnson and as according to Daryl Drake, cussed him out pretty hardcore because Arians was planning on taking Deontay Johnson three picks later for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when you mention AB, it, it listen, you can't we can't compare any player to Antonio Brown. You know, the guy's probably one of the best five or six receivers in the history of the sport. Top ten, worst case scenario. You know, so you kind of can't compare from that angle. But, man, when you watch Deontay Johnson, it's almost impossible not to compare him. They have very similar games, at least at that point in their careers. Same exact size, pretty much. Deontay Johnson, 5'10". All the agility that, uh, you know, with those releases and with the ball in their hands, both great return guys. Now, I think the Steelers really benefited from Deontay Johnson running poorly at the NFL combine. He ran a four five Antonio Brown also ran in the four five region, but we always knew with Antonio Brown, listen, he's not Deshaun Jackson. He's not Martavis Bryant speed, but he's fast enough to run for plenty of 70 yard touchdowns in his career. And Deontay, Deontay Johnson is the same way. He's much faster on field than he was for the 40. He even admitted that he didn't run or he didn't train for the 40. He just showed up and ran a, a four or five. So I think the Steelers benefited from that. If that guy really trained for it, he probably would have run in the four, four and more people would have realized that this is the space he was in. I think some of the draft Knicks uh, devalued him for that score. And they paid a little bit too much attention to that and, and didn't look at him on the field running away from guys. But I understand it, it, it's hard because he played at Toledo. So he's not playing great competition. And then when you don't test well, it, it can be a little hard to project that. But man, this guy, he's a, big time playmaker and he's a good route runner who I think could turn into an elite route runner at the next level. Yeah. It's interesting. How his numbers were affected. He had 17, sorry, he had almost 1300 yards receiving in 2017 and 13 touchdowns. This last year, he only had 760 yards with eight touchdowns and they attribute that. And if you go back and look at the Toledo statistics, you can attribute that to a, looks like a change in quarterback midway through the season. Yeah, so, if you watch them, that quarterback pulls down and runs as often, if not more, than he actually throws the ball. So those don't worry me. Moving on to the third pick, again in the third round, pick number 83, Justin Lane, quarterback out of Michigan State, 6'1", 192. Cornerback, right? What did I say? I, I heard quarter, but I could have been hearing things. Could have been my accent. There you go. I think everybody knows he has a cornerback, so probably didn't need to double down on that. But just in case you guys didn't know, cornerback Justin Lane. Yeah, 
again, the cornerback class and the wide receiver class were really weird this year. There were a lot of names in the mix, but there were no consensus number one guys. I mean, you saw DeAndre Baker was the first cornerback to go in in the at the very end of the first round, and I didn't want to touch him with a ten foot pole. And and a lot of people figure Greedy Williams would be the first guy to go, or Byron Murphy, and they both got drafted after the guy. And Justin Lane, he like some people have this guy as a first round corner, and I don't think he's that. He, I mean, actually, he's definitely not that. But people love Justin Lane. Basically, the story on him is he's a converted wide receiver. He started playing corner right when he got to Michigan State. I guess he got there as a wide receiver, and he transferred to corner. And his game reflects that. His his the, his best traits. He has two things that he's really good at. Number one is he's good with the ball in the air, like combat catches. If you're going to throw a jump ball or a sideline ball and it's him and the receiver, he's going to do a good job battling for that football or, or, you know, knocking it away or whatever it is. He only has three interceptions in his career. It's hard to really, you know, link up interceptions with production. Some of them are, you know, interceptions is a weird stat that way. But uh, one interception every year, you got to say, at least he's consistent. But so playing the ball in the air makes sense that he'd be good at that as a converted receiver. And then I think he's pretty good jamming guys and getting his hands on receivers. But the only issue issue he really has or the major issue he has, which is the same as a lot of the cornerbacks in this draft, is he just does not have elite speed. He was a four or five guy in the 40 who, unlike Deontay Johnson, who's faster on the field, Justin Laney is a four or five guy. And he can get burned deep and he's not necessarily super sticky you know, in, in like change of directions or in coverage, like if he's playing a zone, you know, breaking on the ball, that's not his strength. His best strength is going to be hopefully getting in guys faces and mauling them. And that matches what the Steelers want to do. They're playing a lot more man to man. They obviously brought in Steven Nelson from Kansas city and, you know, it's a great value pick to get him at the 83rd pick at the end of the third round. Cause a lot of people have more, I think the consensus is really more of a second round, early third round guy. So Steelers needed a corner. They got him and, and got him lower than you would expect. So in the fourth round, uh, Steelers picked up uh, somebody with some um, NFL lineage, Benny Snell He's running back out of Kentucky. He um, actually kind of prolific. He, he got out as a junior from Kentucky with uh, leading in career rushing yards from that school. Yeah, they kind of turned around when he actually got to the to the programs. Okay, so some people on Steelers Twitter feel like Benny Snell came a little bit too early. People like him, but they think the Steelers drafted him early. Actually reminds me a little bit of when they drafted James Conner in the third round. And most people are thinking James Conner would be available in the fifth or maybe even the sixth. So when the Steelers find their guy, they they grab him. And you know what? On Saturday, when he got drafted, when they're doing the fourth round through the end of the rounds, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh, I was on the go all day. So I wasn't able to, to see, you know, which safeties were available, which corners were available, you know, two other positions that the Steelers really needed. So I, I can't really totally speak to that. But from my understanding, I mean, I know Chance, Chauncey Gardner Johnson from Florida was already gone by that time. The Saints traded up to get him. So. I don't know. I don't really think they got him too early. I think they got exactly who they wanted. The Steelers needed a traditional 
just bruising running back who knows how to carry the football to back up James Conner, who's really never made it through a, fo- a season of football in his life. You know, James Conner's awesome, but he he misses games. That's just part of him. I mean, hopefully he doesn't, and then we don't have to worry. But they wanted a guy who can really tout the rock instead of Jalen Samuels, who I view much more as a third down guy. And listen, I know he had a good game against the Patriots. That was that was great. The line he played very well. The line absolutely dominated and those holes were Grand Canyon size. So everything I've seen from him from Jalen Samuels says this guy could be a great third down player, like a blocker, a receiver out of the backfield, take an occasional draw. Benny Snell is a running back. I mean, the Steelers love these guys. He got the ball basically 60 times a game at Kentucky, which is the same thing that happened with Le'Veon Bell when he was at Michigan State and the same thing with James Conner when he was at Pitt, obviously, besides the the cancer year. So the Steelers love these guys who can handle big workloads, and that's what they got with Benny Snell. He's taking number 26, by the way. You keep mentioning James Conner, and I just looked at his rushing statistics in college. And let's face it, he, let's, he had basically three years at Pitt. He had about 670 carries for 3,700 yards and 52 touchdowns. Benny Snell, 740 carries, 3,800 yards, 48 touchdowns. Really uh, similar-looking profile from, from their college days. Not to say that they're the same yeah. guy, but I mean, you, you do have the same kind of prototype. Totally. Yeah, the Steelers like that and stomp on it go back five second rule eat it he will consume it and then he will spit it into the face of your teammates that's benny snell i love the pick honestly because like i said i I feel more comfortable with one of the backup running back options being a guy who's just like listen the steelers have a great offensive line get a dude who knows how to tout the rock and is going to get you those four yards per carry in the event that he needs to spell James Conner at any point. So I like the pick. Am I, was I a little bit weirded out that the Steelers hadn't picked up a safety by this time in the draft? Yeah, a little bit, but it's just sort of about the way the board breaks. And uh, this guy absolutely fills a, I wouldn't say a dire need at, at backup running back, but a definite need. And he fills it in the way they wanted to. So you got really an ideal candidate and I th- that can only be looked at as a success to me. I think you're getting, I think you're getting presumptuous when you're like, Oh, Benny Snell, we drafted him in the fourth round. He would have been available in the fifth round. Like, how do you know? Yeah, like, like you could th- tell that. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you drafted Terrell, you know, or, I'll stop picking on Terrell Edmonds. You drafted someone in the first round that could have been available in the fourth round. You know, it's not like you drafted Benny Snell in the second. That is different. You know, it's not like you're the Oakland Raiders and you drafted Cleveland Farrell at number four overall. It's not like that. This is you're sort of splitting hairs at that point. You don't know if he would have gotten taken up. A lot of people have said that if they keep saying that about Deontay Johnson, the receiver we selected in the third round from Toledo. They keep saying that we selected Deontay Johnson too early, yet we have evidence that we did not select him too early. Bruce Arians, the coach for another NFL team, told the Steelers point blank that they were going to take him three picks later. So I think people uh, overblow that a little bit. Moving on, I think the Steelers won the sweepstakes in height with their fifth round (laughs) pick at number 141, Zach Gentry. He's uh, replacing, he's actually even taller than Jesse James, 6'8", 265, tight end out of Michigan. 
He's, okay. a, he's another converted quarterback. He's only been playing tight end for really? two years. Oh, Indeed. I didn't realize that. Which explains his drops, maybe. <laughs> well, usually quarterbacks have some of the best hands on the team. I'm disappointed in Gentry. Okay, question for you, because I don't know. Um, um, this isn't me usually being the, the um, quick-reacting douche trying to correct you on some of these names or whatever when I don't even know about them. But is it Gentry or Gentry? Is it Gentry? Well, the land of Gentry. That's, that's a term. All right. I'm taking that. Yeah. Why don't we call him Zachariah? It's soon enough. We'll get him Zachariah. Right. Uh, he is 6'8". I don't he know. is very tall. Uh, so, Zach, if you can't Zachariah. Hit him, what's that? If you can't hit him, you got problems. Yeah, right. So, I, I don't know. I mean, people weren't thrilled with this pick. He is a raw tight end. Like you said, a converted quarterback. But, you know. He drops the ball a lot, and he's 6'8". And when I first saw that they drafted a 6'8 guy, I know he's even taller than Jesse James. I just – I don't know. I, I feel like when you play football, sometimes it, you know, it's too tall. Like the, if your job – hopefully this guy is sort of being brought on to, to be a more – a third tight end, obviously, blocking type of guy. But when you're 6'8", I don't know how you can get any leverage into any of your blocks like that. But I did go back and I was thinking, well, man, Matt Spath was a fantastic blocker. Turns out – and I know he was really tall. Well, he was 6'7", so basically the same size. This guy does not have the same profile that, that Matt Spath had coming out of college. But hopefully he can improve in that. I don't know, though. The the tight ends in this day and, and age really lack something to be desired with the with the blocking. But – I guess it was a good value pick. I don't know that much about him, honestly, but he, he does have a lot of drops, but some of his highlight catches are pretty awesome where he can stretch out basically like that dude from the fantastic four and, and grab a pass out of the stands. Now, luckily he's going to be playing with really the greatest athlete in the history of American sports, Ben Roethlisberger throwing him the ball. So he won't have to reach out that far, hopefully, but actually, you know, what's funny whenever Ben throws to, to Jesse, you know how he's always talked about wanting big receivers? I feel like he gets too excited with James, and he always throws like five feet over James's head, and he met, Jesse James used to manage to make those catches. and But somehow he would hit tiny Antonio Brown right in the numbers all the time. Interesting. Yeah, Jesse, Jesse had some leaps, had some uh, ups. Sorry. Sure. So we had a plethora. I think I am using the term correctly. He has leaps. We had we had a plethora of selections in round six, starting at selection number one seventy five. Sutton Smith. Do you think I pronounced that correctly? I think Sutton, you nailed it. Sutton Smith, six foot two thirty three, edge rusher from Sutton. Illinois State. Well, he was prolific. I mean, this guy. <laughs> I, I'm not sure this guy's going to stick around. You know, even you know potentially. Not even special teams, because I don't think he's uh, an elite athlete, but he was defensive player of the year two times. And he had 15 sacks, which is which is pretty darn good in that category for last yeah. year. And 16 the year before in 2017, we have, ladies and gentlemen, the return of Tyler Matakavich. And Matakavich is going to have a tough time sticking around in that inside linebackers room. So maybe this is what the Steelers are doing. Just every three years, you cycle in a new undersized Caucasian defensive superstar from college who doesn't have the athleticism really to be a starter at the next level. And maybe they can make him into a special teams demon because, yeah, I mean, you're right. You'd like to see that extra athleticism on, on, uh, it would be helpful on special teams, but Matakavich is the best special teams player Steelers have. And then Chicolo probably besides him. So you, you mainly just 
you know, get out there for 10 snaps and you get to run as fast as you want because you're not all tired out. I would love to see a guy like this make the team. And I and I kind of would imagine that's where his value could be if he does make it as a special teams demon, because the guy is clearly very good at football. Two time defensive player of the year. I mean, that's crazy. Whatever. uh, You know, I don't know what the name of the conference is for Illinois State. Obviously, you know, he's a six round pick at small time, but that's crazy. 15 sacks and 16 sacks consecutive seasons. They basically talk about the fact that he is he is polished, man. And you you would imagine he would have to be to succeed at that small size of six feet, 233 pounds. He'll be one of the smallest edge rushers in the whole NFL. But apparently he's he's just got moves on moves and the guy really knows how to play the position. So. Yeah, I, I like these kind of picks in the sixth round when it's like, listen, this guy either, you know, missed the year of college football, but he was a stud. OK, I'll take the flyer there. OK, this guy doesn't have the athletic profile to be a great player. You know, Antonio Brown was around that that kind of region or Vince Williams, but he's shown something. Matt Thomas, who the Steelers unfortunately lost to the Ravens last year. This is a good place to take a guy like that who's clearly a great football player, but doesn't have awesome physical tools. Again, in the sixth round uh, selection number. Before we get before yeah, we get to him, how how much are you going to bet this guy is going to be like a Yinzer god? It seems like the Steelers always want to put in the here's, here's two time defensive player of the year. People have been clamoring for Matikavich to start since his rookie year. Are, you think we're going to get the same thing over again with Satan Smith from Illinois State? I'm not sure what I'd bet. What do you <laughs> think you'd bet? I'm not putting a, I mean, a 233 pound guy isn't going to be, you know, getting his 15 sacks in the NFL this year, but oh, that's, not, who knows? that's not what we're betting on. We're betting on whether the Inser, uh nation will in fact, well, presence yeah, I guess, field. I guess we gotta, uh, we gotta weigh those options there. Uh, I will say this thing, you know what I think? Let's just, let's put all our cards out on the table here. Steroids, HGH, uh, come on. This, the window's closing. This guy can play. If you get him a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of that chemical compound, a little bit of that heavy hitter juice, this guy could be the best defensive end in the NFL. But either way, I doubt that'll happen. I, I definitely wouldn't bet my life on it. The Steelers are classy organization. But if I was going to bet my life on it, I would bet it on mybookie.ag, and I would probably do it from my brand new overpriced cellular device because they have a great sleek mobile interface that you can use. You can bet on fantasy. You can bet on next year's draft. Who's going to go number one? Is it Tua? Is it Justin Herbert? Who cares? Either way, remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Visit mybookie.ag online today, and don't forget to use that promo code outpost 25 when creating your account. Claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, moving on. Again, round six at number 192. Isaiah Bugs, a 6'2", 295-pound defensive tackle from Alabama. And I'm always excited to see somebody from Alabama. I mean, it's an unbelievable team. Yet, he had 12 sacks. Very average. And it's hard for me to believe there's anybody who is very average on Alabama, but um, I, I'm not sure what kind of dent he'll make. It's sort of like, you know, and it's funny, I'm actually totally blanking on the guy from last year who everyone knew the Steelers were going to take because of the, you know, the defensive line coach had just come over from Alabama to become this. Josh Steelers. Frazier. Nice work, Josh. Uh, hold on a second. My head's hurting from pulling that out. 
Yeah, that was amazing. It was uh, Carl Dunbar was the defensive line coach who brought him over. But, hey, you're right. I mean, the guy went to Alabama. It goes to show you that there still is growth to be done. When you're, you're not a finished product, you're a senior year in high school, and some guys can be maxed out by that time, I guess you would consider Isaiah Bugs. By the way, I know we didn't get Greedy Williams, but Isaiah Bugs is a nice consolation prize for a cool name. And there's another guy coming later that, that fits into that. But, hey – yeah, not an elite guy, but, you know, take a flyer on someone who played at Alabama and had some production and maybe he'll be able to work his way up the ladder or practice squad or something like that and eventually become a an important rotational depth piece. Because really, you you I think that you want to have depth at your running back position because it's, it's often injured. And I think that you really want to have depth at your defensive line because it helps more to rotate those guys around. We've been saying it for years to it and Hayward have, they play too many snaps, just way more than any other defensive tackle or defensive end, I guess in the three, four, any other defensive lineman combination in the NFL. And, you know, if you're going to take a flyer on a guy way late in the draft, it, it's good to see someone from the, you know, the best college program who had some production there helps to have Quinn and Williams sitting next to him, taking up, five people at once, but he's got Cam Hayward now if he makes the team. Do you think this rings a death knell for Danny McCullers? No, he can't die, apparently. Just they refuse to cut him. So no one can defeat Danny McCullers. We'll see what happens. (laughs) They'll bring him into camp. In our third choice in the sixth round at number 207 is a guy we clearly cannot get rid of, at least for a year. Ulysses Gilbert, a 6'1", 230-pound linebacker from the Akron Zips. I mean, what what more do you want than that? So, so I believe he's another super fast linebacker, ran a four six. I looked at him briefly when we were doing some of the inside linebacker breakdowns. And, hey, man, Steelers are getting small and fast quick. I don't, I don't know how fast Mark Barron is at this point, but you got to assume he's, he's faster than most linebackers coming out as a safety initially into the NFL draft. Obviously got that guy, Devin Bush, baby. Devin Bush. And now you got uh, Ulysses Gilbert, hopefully trying to to make a case to 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 make the team as a backup linebacker. And hey, the guy's fast. The guy's super athletic. You know, you sometimes you wonder, like, hey man, the Patriots are they ahead of everybody just because Tom Brady's getting older, or are they really doing this transformation into a power running team in response to everyone else getting smaller? But it's kind of how the game goes. Uh, this is the kind of guy that if he can make the the team. Whoa, that will be a special teams demon. And I know you guys, you know, special teams can sound boring sometimes, but it's critical as we've seen. And maybe that's where he can. I mean, that's going to give him an advantage over someone like a Satan Smith from Illinois State, because four, four, six, you can't teach that. And the Steelers final pick round seven at number 219 is actually I say I'm from the Washington, D.C. outpost. I'm actually in Maryland. This is a local guy, Derwin Gray. And I didn't get his stats, but he actually, he is, he's very good in pass protection. He allowed only one sack. He doesn't have the sort of refined skills in pass protection, but he consistently gets it done. He's under control. He can move in space and he can pick off linebackers at the second level. Let's see. What does, what's his height and weight? Cause obviously I don't know anything about yeah. this guy this yeah. far in the, in the, in the sixth round. I have a life as much as it may not seem that with us sitting here doing this, but what's his height and weight height weight for giant 
six Man, four three twenty five three thirty. Okay, so that's you. You have his real height. I have the I have the Maryland program height. Yeah, <laughs> ten pounds <laughs> and one extra inch. Was he an underclassman or? Oh, he's from uh, he's from D.C. too. That's cool. And yeah, you are calling from the Maryland outpost, but that's just how D.C. is broken up. If you drive for 15 minutes, you're at the big pencil, baby. So still counts. Let's see. Let's see. I assume he was a senior. Yeah, he's a senior. So, hey, you're taking a flyer. You had a, you had a million picks in this draft. So tackle, very important position. Obviously, you already got chooks and filer and Hawkins competing for something here. But Hawkins, obviously, with an injury history. So, uh. Yeah, bring another body into camp. Not much to say on that. We're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and make you guys listen to us talk about a seventh round tackle prospect. Um, so we don't know aside much about. from all the second guessing, which just adds to the adds to the chatter, which is fun. Uh, you and I both agree we're very excited about this draft. We got a lot of got a lot of players. Uh, got a tremendous player, hopefully replacement for Ryan Shazier. Yeah, and um, filled some gaps that we had. So. Yeah, and they and they filled them in the right way. They got the right player. Like last year, it was so frustrating to see them go pick Terrell Edmonds for so many reasons. First off, because he's it seemed like he was over a bit overdrafted. Um, I know, you know, like I said before, sometimes you don't know that when you're being nitpicky. But with the first round, it is pretty easy to know when someone overdrafts him. And the fact that. The Steelers so specifically needed a free safety, someone to sit in the back of the field, and that is not what Terrell Edmonds was, at least at the time. Maybe he can develop into something like that. But it was annoying to see them like pick for the need and not even really pick for the right need. The guys that they got this year, I mean, Devin Bush is the exact need, the biggest need, a fast, athletic inside linebacker. There were only two of them in the draft, and they got one, and he – Dude, I love Devin Bush. We should talk more about him um, next week. We'll, obviously, we talked about him a lot, but there's a lot more to say on him. He is nasty. He's wearing number 55. He's wearing Joey Porter's number, and his demeanor on field reminds me a lot of Joey Porter and James Harrison. He is a smack talker, and this is a good thing for the Steelers. They need some attitude, and with him, man, there's – there's some real experience on that defense now with Cam and Steph and, and obviously Hargrave's getting experience. Obviously, Vince Williams, Joe Hayden, and even Davis now has been in the lineup for a little while. Nelson's got a little bit of an attitude. So you got uh, Hilton's been in there for a couple years. Devin Bush is bringing that attitude and the Steelers needed that Deontay Johnson he is an ex receiver that's the position he plays that's what they lost with Antonio Brown I thought that they needed more of a Martavis Bryant kind of Z run straight guy but listen that's that is James Washington's job and when you build a receiving core you want to build a basketball team you want a guy who, who goes deep takes the top off of defenses catches long bombs or uh makes defenses back up because they have to respect that speed. You want a guy who can work the middle of the field and all parts of the field. Luckily you got Juju with that. And then you, yeah, you want this X guy who can, you know, work on the backside of the formation and win one-on-one matchups. And that's what this guy's supposed to do. Justin Lane, the Steelers want to play a lot more man to man. That's what this guy does. Benny Snell, they needed a running back. They didn't want a Dree Archer. You don't want a Swiss army knife, like a Jalen Samuels. You need a traditional running back. That's who they got. So, Obviously, listen, you, you, you got to be disappointed that they didn't get a safety and the tight end pick was not that inspiring. The Steelers do have some worries here at, at tight end. It's not comfortable putting Zach Gentry in penciled in as the third tight end already. But 
I, I just don't think I think beggars can't be choosers in the draft. And that's gotten the Steelers into trouble before. And they actually got great players at the spots they needed. And they were aggressive in doing it. Before we wrap up, I have uh, I was interested in understanding something we had talked about when Kevin Colbert gave his press uh, conference before the draft. He mentioned that the Steelers don't use the chart. And we're saying, yeah, we don't use the chart. We're the Steelers. I was talking about that like I knew what I was talking about. Do you understand the chart? I guess it's just uh, teams have a specific value trade chart. Like in order to get to this pick, this is the most I'm willing to give up, but more on an exact scale rather than Colbert and and, uh, the Roonies and Tomlin's strategy of just I need two picks on day two. It can be one second, one third or two thirds or whatever it is. So this was developed by a business partner of Jerry Jones of, of Dallas Cowboy fame. And yeah, you're right. The um, so the first pick is assigned a certain number of points, although what's in this case three thousand points, all the way down to the final pick, which receives less than than a point. The question I have is how you assign the relative weights of of those things. You know, it's all there's a little bit of hocus pocus involved. And I, I thought a little bit more about this, and I saw an article in yesterday's Washington Post by Sally Jenkins, and she refers to a study that was done by two guys, Kate Mazzy of the mm. Wharton School of Business, and Nobel Prize winner Richard Thaler of the University of Chicago. <laughs> and what they said after their study was that teams mistakenly go to pick too high, and most of the value in the NFL draft is second. The, entire, the title of their paper is The Loser's Curse, Overconfidence Versus Market Efficiency in the NFL Draft. And it showed the highest picks in the draft were overpaid relative to their eventual NFL performance. The second round picks were actually bargains relative to their eventual NFL performance. And, sure. you know, it is uh, we were talking about how do you know that whether a guy should have been picked in the second or third round? And last week we were saying you actually pick to try to block another team. I, I think there is a lot of overthinking. And especially when you think about the money you're separating with, I kind of appreciate the the Patriots strategy of just trading down and getting players. And yeah, you'd like to have that one magical player and hope you get somebody in the top 10 and the Steelers definitely needed to fill a hole. On the other hand, continue to fill your roster and add some depth there, I think is, is a good way to, to build a team instead of guessing, hopefully correctly. And, and we've seen the Steelers do this time and time again, guessing too high. Right. I'd rather I would like to see the Steelers. I mean, as happy as I am with uh, this year's draft, I could see the Steelers doing way more draft uh, moving down in the draft to, to bulk up the um, to bulk up the roster. I think that it depends where the team's at. You know, where are they at in their window? Windows are completely real. You're psychotic if you don't think that they're real. I mean, it's based on how many good players you have under contract. When are you going to lose them? And where's your quarterback at? And sometimes if you want to get even more technical, where's the rest of your division at? You know? And if your team is rebuilding, it's really in your best interest to get a treasure trove of picks and and uh, and accumulate them that way. Whereas with the Steelers, you know, I, I they need to win now. That's basically what I've uh, I've been saying, you know, trade up and get these impact players who can contribute before that window closes. Now, I, I need to read the, this this piece fully that they wrote. But doesn't it? it uh, 
when it comes to value of, of a first round player or a second round player, isn't it sort of inherent that, yeah, like the value is going to be better inherently from a second round player because the expectation is lower. So if they exceed that expectation, they get a, an extreme benefit from it. But if you look through the years of the NFL draft, and you can do it for every year and you and it shows you everybody who got drafted and who makes the Pro Bowls and how many they make for their career. I mean, it, it's exponential. They mostly come from the first round. Yes, you have the exceptions, Juju and Le'Veon, and of course, you still get a lot of great players in the second round. The Steelers themselves, in the pre-draft interview, said, Colbert said, the second and third round are really where we do our, our good work because in the second and third round, teams start drafting a little bit more for need, where in the first round, you're trying to get sort of these elite athlete, uh, elite athletic traits and stuff like that. And so that's why a juju will, will fall to them because other people are like, oh, we need a corner. So we got to when we didn't get him in the first round, so we got to draft him here. But if you look historically, you know, the best players are overwhelmingly from the first round. Of course, you have ones from other rounds. So that's not what they're saying. They're saying is. It's it's not that a player from the first round isn't better than the first one from the second round. The question is the relative value. If you're getting twice the production from a first rounder but paying four times the amount you're paying for a second rounder, that that's the point. That there's a um, a relative imbalance between the cost of that first rounder and the second rounder. Sure, but aren't they isn't aren't they insinuating in the in the article it says most NFL teams aren't smart and. They profoundly overvalue first round picks. Part of me just feels like that's CBA related, related to how like they're not deciding how much to pay them. There's a rookie pay scale based on the on the round you're you're drafting in the mint. Are they insinuating that you should just get more picks in the second and third round than the than the first round? Trade down. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't I disagree with that. Depending on depending on where you're at. If you need more players, then you should trade down, sure. But it's harder to hit on those second and third round players than it is on the first rounders. Sometimes people get in their mind that they need these first rounders to be stars. And if they're a Bud Dupree, people get angry because he got drafted in the first round. But it's like he's he's a you know starting player. He's good. I know he didn't do as well as some of the other first rounders the Steelers have gotten as David DeCastro or something like that. But if the Steelers were needed a middle linebacker to fill that inside spot, which is one of the only holes on their team, the chances of them finding that guy in the second or third round is just much lower than finding that guy in the first round. And the second and third round guys usually take a year or two or three to become good. I'm not going to sit here and listen to you deny a Nobel Prize winning economist and his study. Anyway, we're going pretty long here. We can continue this argument later. Uh, I think we got in all the final words. Very excited about this draft. A lot more to talk about. Check us out on Instagram. We're newly active on Instagram again at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.